that's one thing I've had to really surrender to is just a deep trust and just a deep knowing that everything's going to be okay. Cause it is, it has been no matter which way it might not been like the life that I really, you know, was like, thought this was going to ever be, you know, but having just like this deep trust and knowing and just like holding on for dear life and let's go, um, has got me to where I am today of just like falling, you know, that, and that was, that was one thing, um, the morning of my daughter's surgery back in May, you know, I was all by myself, you know, of course my husband's not here. That's, this is the first surgery that I've ever like, quote unquote, been alone, you know, and I was just scared. I was just like, oh my gosh. And, and it just came to me. It was just like, you have got to fall into just deep trust. You just need to fall into deep trust right now. It's not going to make sense, but you just need to. And I was just like, okay, all right. Welcome to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where we delve into the depths of our inner selves, uncovering authenticity and transformation. Join us for enlightening conversations on breathwork, self-discovery, and the profound journey within. I'm your host, Josh Perry, joined by the delightful Hannah Oxley. Let's begin. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Deeper Awareness Podcast. This is Hannah. And I first today want to invite you to just a couple minutes of breathing. Um, I don't know when you are listening to this, this episode, but Christmas just passed this week and we're on to New Year's celebration. So this time can be all of the emotions all wrapped into one. And I want to remind you that you can hold both joy and grief. Um, you can be just grieving when everyone is in all these joyful spirits, then that's okay. You can set your boundaries. You can say no. You can stay home. You can do what needs to be done for you. This is your life. You are in charge of you. There's so many things in life that we can't control. But we can control our breath. We can control our own selves and how we show up. So no matter what and how this holiday season went for you, I just want to invite you to a, through a few breaths with me. So we'll start by just taking a nice deep breath in through your nose. Big sigh out. Ah. I invite you to do a few more. Ah. And just keep those deep breaths going, creating a slow, soft pace for yourself. And I just invite you to feel your heart turn inward, noticing what your body is holding. And just breathe softness into your body. Breathing out anything that's holding you back. Breathing out any entanglements in your body during these holidays. It's so easy to let our energy get tangled up in other people, in all of the to-do lists. Um, and other people's energy gets tangled up in us too. So just a few more breaths here. Picturing your energy coming in to you. 
and what's not yours, letting it leave. One more. Beautiful job. I hope you enjoyed just a minute of breath work with me. And now I want you to get all cozy, grab some tissues because this interview is a roller coaster of emotions. And the word that comes to mind with Katie, our guest today, is resilience. She has been through it all. And there, it's just all of the stories that we hear that common thread of finding just life lessons and wisdom through the grief process. It's, it's, it's beautiful, as sad and as heartbreaking as some of these stories can be, especially Katie's it's, there's something so beautiful in what you get out of these experiences, the love that comes out of these experiences. Um, so without ruining the story or anything, just again, grab your tissues and enjoy this story from Katie as she shares um, just what life has thrown at her. Um, and yeah, that's all I have. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And enjoy. Well, I am Katie Garcia. I live um, in Harriman, Utah, which is about 40 minutes outside Salt Lake. And um, I'm a mom of three. My oldest is a boy. He's 16. And then my daughters are 13 and 11. So um, that in itself just consumes me, just kids. And um, I actually, I always say breathwork found me because it did. It found me in Sedona in October of 21. And the very first time I did it, it like blew my socks off, like legitimately blew my socks off. I was like, what the, can we swear on this? I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, this was the most powerful thing I have ever witnessed in my entire life. And I was just like, and like, I almost thought I was like, did they give me something? Did I like do, you know what I mean? Cause I like, I'm telling you what, it was the most powerful thing that ever hit my system. And from that time forward, when I got home, I was like, I have no idea what this is. I've never even heard of it. Anyone I've ever asked, they're like breath work. I have no idea. I've nope, never heard of it. And I was just like, okay. But I just knew like, that is what, that is like where I needed to go. And I jumped online and the first thing that popped up was pause. And I'm like, I don't know what the freak I'm doing, but I'm signing up. I signed up. I did it one time, one time. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm like all in, let's freaking go, you know? And, and there I went. And so we, we started our, for our cohort, like November 3rd or 4th or something like that. So it was only like a few weeks after that I did it. And it was just like, bam, it was just like this fast track of like, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was even getting myself into. Like, but it, you know, and so that is where like, it, you know, started as for, you know, my breath work journey. Um, but I would say, um, I unfortunately have had a lot of traumatic experiences in my life and a lot of hardships. Um, 
And so I don't want to like go through every single one of them, but I would, my most pivotal moments in my life and where I can kind of pinpoint changes and when things had happened. Um, one of the very first ones, um, as for my adult life, um, it was in July of 2016 and my five-year-old daughter was diagnosed with seven malformations in her brain. They were brain tumors, AKA brain tumors. Um, and as you can imagine from that time forward, my like my whole life changed, um, from that moment forward. Um, fast forward a year later, we had to move out to Arizona for her first brain surgery, because at that time, even just back in 2017, um, here in Salt Lake, one of the biggest ones, um, is primary children's. And even at that time, their neurosurgery, um, wasn't, had no idea, like they wouldn't even touch her. They were just like, nope, we are not experienced. Like, we don't know, you know, we don't know anything about these. And so they're called cavernous malformations, angiomas, um, and they're technically brain bleeds in her brain. Um, and she had seven of them. And one of her biggest ones at that time, I think that was like um, seven centimeters. So it was probably about maybe like that big. But then she had a lot of satellite ones all around it that like came from like the mother one and it was all on her right temporal side. Um, and so then July of 2017, um, we moved our whole lives, changed our whole lives, moved out to Phoenix, Arizona. Um, we were told that it was going to be at least a year um, until we, they would operate, until they would even touch her. Um, we were there three weeks, just barely still moving in. And the neurosurgeons are like, nope, now, like next week. And I'm just like, wait, what? Okay, here we go. You know, like, here we go. Um, so they successfully removed four of them. Um, and we were inpatient for four days. That's it. We were inpatient for four days. She was home. Like, when I tell you that kids are so resilient, I like seen it. And, you know, I've seen it in my own eyes, like they, they just the way that they heal and the way that they are just they take on things. It's like, oh, my gosh, like you would never even, you know, imagine like how quick that she jumped back and how how fast, she, you know, like how amazing she'd be in the hospital. And after four days, they released us and we only stayed in Arizona for a few months because Utah's home and we wanted to be back home. So we moved back. We moved back home. So, um. So that, that was kind of the, you know, the beginning of, of things. Um, now the most life-changing events in my life, um, really began in 2019. And when I tell you that was the fucking hardest year of my life, it was the hardest year of my life. Um, starting with in February, I lost my father that year. Um, he had a massive stroke. Um, and then, um, my son who is 16 now, he was um, 12 at the time. Um, now in May of 2019, he um, had the exact same thing as my daughter. So these things are hereditary. They run on my husband's side of the family. And um, my son then had a massive brain hemorrhage in his left temporal lobe. And he was hemorrhaging. They had it. They took, we got him right in. And they took him straight into emergency surgery because he was blood clotting all through his brain and hemorrhaging for, and we didn't know that he had him either. And so we were like, what? Like how, you know, like the, and even the doctors have told us like the chances that like 
two out of three of your kids have these things like what like this is insane um and of course like I said again my other child just bounced right back he we were inpatient for seven days um did incredible and um his was a little bit more he was a lot older than my daughter and so um, and he actually had a hemorrhage. And so there was a lot of, you know, other things that went on um, during that surgery, but still we were only, only in the hospital for seven days and we were already back home. We got actually home on his, on his birthday. He actually just turned 12. So the day that they released him, we were able to come home and he was so excited and, um, and you know, he did, he did so amazing. Um, so because of that, we're like, well, my, our pediatrician was like, well, we need to send your other daughter in because we need to make sure she doesn't have them. So they sent her in for an MRI. And so this is now July of 2019. And they're like, awesome. She doesn't have it. However, she has these two other things. We're like, what? Like, it's just so hard to wrap your head around this shit. You're just like, like, it's still even now I'm like, what? Like, this is just insane. Right. So they then tell us that my daughter doesn't have them. However, she has two other things she has. So, so she then goes in. So then my baby goes in for brain surgery and her brain surgery was two different things. They call it cranial stenosis, which her brain closes prematurely. And so it doesn't give it enough room to grow. And so then it's just like the brain's pushing on and then there's just nothing. And so usually they catch this before they're even a year old. And, but there was no signs. That was the thing. There was no signs that she had ever, ever had, you know, that she wasn't, she wasn't. Cause like usually their, um, their schools will go like football shape and they'll do certain things that tell us, but she didn't show any signs. And so, and she at this time was six. She was six when this was all going down. So she had cranial stenosis and then she had is what is called the QRE. It's where her brain stem um, connects up to her brain. And it's like um, it's like a kinked hose. So the spinal fluid can't get up all the way into her brain. And so it's just like this kink and and it makes her really dizzy. And that was like the only signs that she ever showed is that she was just like really dizzy. And her like equilibrium was always off. But like, you know, like, you know, it's just these, you know. So anyway, so she then goes in for her brain surgery and um with hers it's it was one and done thing they, they they did both things they did the cranial stenosis and then they did the qre um and she was in there for um about a week as well um like i said hers was completely different from my other children's um and and so you know again my third child just bounces right back like so by this time, you know, we have, we have the hospital set down. Like we, we know how things are going, <laughs> you know, we know the ins and outs of living at the hospital, unfortunately. And, you know, um, and so, um, by that time, my, um, my husband, so my husband and I, at that time, we were married for 15 years. Um, he was going through a lot of like very deep depression. Um, he, um, he, he really felt that like two of my children's health issues was all his fault because it came from his side of the family. Cause my husband had them, but his are really small and they didn't do anything. Cause like they can lay dormant in your brain your whole life. And a lot of people don't even know it. Um, but the fact that two of my kids is just decided to just grow and then they grow really fast. That's the thing is they just grow so fast. 
and my daughters we caught in time, but my sons we didn't. And his, and then that's what happens is they hemorrhage or they can stroke or they, of course they can die. You know, there's all these things. And so, um, my husband was going through a lot of, um, depression at that time. Um, now fast forward, um, I lost my sister-in-law, um, two months after that, we lost her in October of 2019. Um, and then the final death of that year was my husband's death. Um, he died on December 21st of 2019 and, um, he killed himself. He shot himself in the heart. Um, we were, like I said, we were, we were together, um, 17 years, um, married 15 of those years. And, um, so as you can imagine, you know, that, that whole year was just a fucking shit show. It was just traumas after traumas, after death, after just, just so much heartache, so much heartache. Um, and then 2020 happened and actually 2020 was like one of the best years of our life, you know, and it was like the hardest year for everybody, you know, but it was just like, man, we just got through 2019, you know, and you know, here comes 2020, it's all locked down. And so actually 2020 was one of the best years for us because we could all be together and my kids are home from school and we could really like mourn and grieve together and, you know, really go through all the, the process of grief, you know? And, um, so now it's like I said, it'll be four years in December that I have lost my husband. And, um, you know, I, there were so many, so many pivotal, pivotal moments in my life where, like I said, that, that I can pinpoint of where just life has completely changed and, you know, completely taken over. Um, and that is when, that is when breathwork had found me in Sedona in, you know, October of 21 and it forever, it forever changed my life. Like it forever. I, I really, at that moment, I was like, holy crap. Like I have the power, like, you know, and I never saw it that way. I always thought that, you know, like, I didn't know that I could control everything. I didn't know that I could control my emotions. And I, you know, like I, I thought everything was outside of my body. I didn't realize everything was within, like everything is here. There's nothing outside that can fix it. And, and once I had really realized those moments of like, it is all in here and is something internal that I have to work through and, you know, and it, like it, that was, it was completely life-changing at that moment when I realized that I had the power you know, and that I can do it. And, you know, so, um, and then one last thing that I'll share is, um, this year, this year has been another very, very hard year for us. Uh, because again, with my kids' health, um, in January, we found another, um, mass in my daughter's head. Her, it was way bigger. It was 14.9 centimeters. It's like a large orange, like this big sucker was big. Um, they were trying to shrink it to try to avoid surgery earlier this year. We couldn't. So then she went into surgery in May. Um, so with all the surgeries, we had never been faced with what happened to her. Um, she lost a 70% function on her left side. So her, mo so where, where the, the mass was out on her right side, um, it hit a majority of her motor functions that go to her left side. And so when they took the mass out, it, it messed with the motor functions. So during the surgery, it was almost an eight hour surgery. Um, they found out that this had happened and they decided to pull it. They couldn't get the rest of the mass and they pulled out of the surgery because they didn't know like how severe everything was. 
Um, and so once she, you know, we didn't really know for about a week. Um, and we were there for two months at primary children's. And so at that time, that is where she lost over 70% motor functions on her left side. So she couldn't walk. She could barely even talk. She had to learn to eat again. She had to learn to everything, everything again, learn to walk again. Um, she can now walk, which is fucking amazing. Um, she can't quite use her left arm yet. Um, her hand is like this almost all the time. Like it's really, really stiff. And, and so like, I have to like do her elbow and it kind of like helps release her hand, but she can't like move her fingers or anything like yet that yet. So we do a lot of intensive, um, rehab. That's why we we're at primaries. We lived there for two months, legitimately two months in the hospital over the summer. We were there all summer long. I slept on a mattress that was like legit this thick and, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't leave my, my baby, you know? And so I, I was there, I slept there every night in the hospital with her and thank goodness for my family and everyone that just rallied around us because they just helped take care of my kids and help take care of my dog and our home and everything like that, you know? And so, um, so since we've been home, we've been home since August um, we do, she does a lot of like outpatient rehab at primaries and it's coming along, but it's very slow and it's really frustrating. She's now 13. So, you know, she's a teenager and wants to do teenager things. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard when, you know, she, she has these things now where she can't just go run on her scooter anymore. You know, now I think she could you know, but it's our, our life's completely changed once again, back in May, completely changed. We can't do anything the same, like nothing. We can't do this, you know, anything the same because of, you know, unfortunately the, I don't know what to call them. Um, the functions that were taken from her, um, and you know, she needs help with a lot of things. She still needs help with showering and you know, stuff like that. And, and so, yeah. So back to breath work. Holy shit. <laughs> I was like, I hold on to that baby with all my heart, because as you can imagine, like all of the heartache that has, has hit our family over the years. And, and, um, and I would say that was been my, my number one modality just in the hospital this past time. Like so many times I was like, Oh my gosh, I wish I had this. I wish I had this with their previous surgeries. It would have helped so, so much because you know what, honestly, I didn't cope with it the right ways. I was drinking, not, not, you know, the way that I should have been. I was dealing with all of these emotions and all these feelings that I didn't want to feel because it's so painful. Like feeling sometimes is so hard, you know, but I've also realized instead of avoiding and pushing them down or suppressing them, suppressing them is the worst thing that you can do. It comes out and it manifests in other ways in ways that you can't even imagine in ways. You're just like, what the heck? Why did I do that? I have no idea why I did that. And it's like, well, no wonder you did that because you've been suppressing this for how long you haven't been dealing with these feelings and you've been pushing away these feelings and pushing them down, you know, and, and that is what breath work has done for me to actually help me actually feel and feel safe in my body to feel. So then I can then release it. And, um, before you jumped on Josh and I were just talking about of just like how, you know, just like 
different things of breath work of releasing it out of your body. You're just like, Oh my gosh. And like how, like there's been so many times I've gotten up from a session and I'm like, I'm a different person because it was released out of my body or it was, you know? And so, um, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's my, that's my story. <laughs> so, um, it must, it must be interesting seeing, looking back on going through <clears throat> all this medical stuff without breath work and now look going through it mm. with it. So you're seeing that huge difference. Such a huge difference. Absolutely. Yes, it is. Um, like I, yeah, I can scream it from the rooftops when it comes to breath work and like what it has even done for me, even my own children, you know, my own children see that. And, and that's one thing that I, I had this, um, you know, it was, it was back in 21 and it was before I, I found breath work. I just remember, I'll never forget. That was one of those pivotal moments to my life where I was sitting there in my house and it was on March 9th. And I was just like, you know what, Katie, you have to do this sober. You have to do all of this sober. You're not going to mask it. You're not going to take a pill. You're not going to drown with alcohol. You're not going to go shopping. You're not going to stuff your face. You know, like I'm sick, all of these things. I'm like, you are going to do this sober and you're going to fill it because I had really connected that once I actually feel it and I can feel through those emotions and I can release them and I don't have to carry them anymore, you know, but it took me a long time to actually realize that, you know, cause you're carrying so much and you don't realize how much you're carrying until you actually like release it and let it go. And you're like, Holy shit, I weigh like 50 pounds lighter and I don't feel that heaviness on my back or my head or, you know, whatever. And, and so, you know, again, that was one of my pivotal moments you know, back in 21, where I'm like, you are doing this sober and you're going to fill it and it's going to be fucking hard, but you're going to do it and it's going to be okay. And you have a team around you and we're going to do this. And from that time forward, I dropped the ball. I dropped everything. I, and I have been sober since, and it has been the best decision of my life to, to do that. And then that, and then fast forward, you know, I found breath work, um, you know, at the end of that year and, you know, it just like, it's, you know, when you really decide that you're just like enough's enough. And when you really decide like it, we're doing this, like it, it's amazing what comes into your space. It's amazing the healing and the work that comes through when you really are like, this is what we're doing. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not negotiating anymore. I'm not going to mask these feelings anymore. I'm not going to hide and I'm not going to do these things. Like I'm fucking here for it, you know, and let's go. And by doing that and showing my kids that I can do that. Like when I heal, I see my kids heal. And that is like one of the most powerful things. And as I'm healing, I, I realize the people around me are seeing that and they're like, wow, 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 you know, and, and then that's what drives it even more as I have like, you know, really entered into this, you know, and it's, it's been a few years now, you know, that I've been doing it and I'm going to be doing it for probably the rest of my life, <laughs> you know, when it comes to healing and inner work and working on myself and stuff, you know, um, but I, I know that I have been faced these, um, experiences, um, because, 
I can help other people. And I have been, I've gone through some very deep, deep heartaches in my life that I would never wish on my own enemies, you know, like, and because of that, I know that, that, you know, these were for me and these were for my children and we can be that light for other people. And we can be that hope for other people who are going through some really hard deep heartaches in their life, not thinking that they can never come out or there's no way out or, you know, anything like that, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's, um, you know, it's been really hard, but th this year, this year definitely has, um, despite everything that's gone on with my daughter, it has actually been a very, you know, incredible year, you know, despite everything, like, it's amazing what, um, what miracles and what things come into your space, you know, when you choose to be more positive about it and not the, you know, victimhoods and all of that, you know, because, you know, it's, it's so easy to play, you know, the poor me and all of that stuff. It's, you know, it's so easy. It's, but I, I've never been that, that type of person as for that. And I just, I just keep going. I'm just like, you know, people have asked me sometimes, how do you, how do you keep going? And I'm like, how do you not keep going? <laughs> like, that's not even an option. That is not an option for me just to like surrender. And I give up. I'm, I'm done. I can't do this. Like that's never been an option for me ever, ever, ever. And I'm just like, how do you know? You, you have to keep going. You have to keep pushing and working through the, you know, the heartaches and, you know, I, every day, every day, I, I have to really, um, work on myself, really work on myself every day, you know, because our, our minds are very powerful and scarcity and the unknown is debilitating. Sometimes I'll be honest with you. Some mornings I'm like, Oh my gosh, like just fearing the unknown. And I finally got to a point over the summer, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done fearing the unknown. I'm done fearing and, and living in scarcity and waking up just like, just scared out of my mind. I'm like, I'm, I'm done living that way. That's miserable. Like I can't live that way. Like I deserve to be happy and wake up happy every morning. And that's, that's my goal. You know, some days is harder than others, you know, because it's ugh, man, it's the, the fear. It, I think the fear will always be there, but I, I have made a very conscious decision every morning to wake up and not be in scarcity and, and not live um, in those lower vibrations because it's miserable. I've, I've been there many times and, you know, and um, we've had some, I've had very many nights of, you know, many, very many nights, dark soul nights of where, you know, I am just like pleading with, you know, my universe, my God above, whatever you guys believe in, but I do believe there is in, in a higher um, being. And I, um, you know, and through that has given me the courage and the strength to keep going and keep being that example to my kids. You know, my kids deserve a happy mom, period. They deserve a happy mom. They deserve, you know, to come home to a happy, beautiful space and a place where they want to come, you know, and, and so that's, that's what I do. I, I continue to show up the way that I, I need to, you know, for my kids and not just for that, for myself, you know, I deserve it. I deserve to be happy and I deserve to be in that space where, you know, there's nothing but 
abundance and you know beautifulness. So yeah. <sighs> Breathe that one out. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a beautiful message thank you so much for sharing that yes thank you it's it's so well it's just says a lot about the power of intention like when you in 2021 were like I have to do this sober I have to do this and just claiming that in itself that intention of just have to I have to do this let go made space for breathwork to come in and for other gifts to come Uh, in and so mm -hmm. that breathwork just did find you that way because you were able to let go of the other nonsense that wasn't helping you feel your emotions but you cleared that out and brought in what was really going to help you in the long run so that's so beautiful yeah absolutely and I just love the the I can talk about scarcity and abundance forever and I just I think that's such an important theme for people, just the whole population in general to realize because I see so many people living in scarcity and in fear. And mm-hmm. that's one thing I love about breath work is that it in a couple minutes can remind you how you are not, you're not like there is just look around. There's abundance, like all the leaves that I have in my yard that I need to pick mm-hmm. up. Abundance <laughs> of leaves. Yeah, I know. Me too. So, Wanna to come over? Craigling <laughs> <laughs> party. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Thank you yeah. for naming that because that is important. Absolutely. Yeah. I you know, I it was it was a couple months ago too where I, you know, it was one of those things again where I woke up and I was like, okay, damn it, I'm done. I'm done waking up with just pure chaos and scarcity in my brain like I'm not doing this no more not not happen and as I have you know I really believe deeply in Jonah Spenza's work in rewiring our brains and if you have ever looked into that or if you haven't I really highly 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 recommend it um but we do I you know especially in the trauma that I have experienced and been through of course, that's going to be the first thing that's going to hit me is scarcity, just pure, just, you know, because I have been through, you know, the worst case scenario. And so it's like, I have every reason to like that on the forefront, but I'm like, but I choose, I, I am not going to live that way either, you know? And it was one morning again, where I'm just like, okay, damn it. I'm done waking up like this. I'm not doing it anymore. Let's go. Like, let's figure this out. And, you know, and like breathe. And he does, it's actually one of his things on um, Joe Dispenza is rewiring the brain. And you legitimately have to rewire your brain to, you know, you have to find those different circuits in your brains because like they say, you know, the same thoughts were the same thoughts from yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before and stopping that and having that awareness of what is coming into your space and stopping those thought patterns and then rewiring it to a different direction. And once I brought awareness to that and, and realized I'm going to do this every morning, this is what we're doing every morning with breath work, with meditation, we are doing this as well. And I added it to my morning routine of this is what we're doing. And the minute these thoughts start creeping in the minute scarcity and what ifs and money and everything that's so stressful, I've had to legitimately, you know, have had to really like reteach myself and relearn on things that I've learned my whole life. And like, this is not working for me anymore. And 
and learning to rewire those thought processes and those patterns that are so deep in us, not even realizing we do those patterns sometimes, you know, but, but once we have awareness of it, man, we can change so fast. We can change quickly. So, yeah. 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 And just a reminder to our listeners too, like it's, it takes, it's a constant work. Like that, that scarcity slips in as strong minded as you think you have rewired. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it still slips into Joseph's mind too. Like Mm -hmm. it just comes in. So it's a constant reminder to do any sort of mindfulness practice, especially, but anything that helps just get out of that ego mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's been many times where it's hit me and I'm like, oh man, how long have I been sitting about this? I've been thinking about this for like 10 minutes, you know? So mm-hmm. sometimes it takes some time to like realize you're like, oh shoot, I'm doing that again. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like, cause I, I've done that so many times, especially like, cause I always call it, um, I call it my music therapy drives. Cause I love that more than anything. I go in the car, I'm all by myself and I just listen to music. I drive through the canyons. I just, I just get out. And so I call it my music therapy drives. And there's been so many times where I'm like, what the? how long have I been sitting about thinking about this 10 minutes now, you know, and sometimes you get so stuck in those thought patterns and it takes a lot of work, a lot of work to like realize that. And, you know, and, you know, sometimes it's part of the process of healing too. You know, we, we are, we go through different seasons, you know, and I'm a, I'm a whole different person than I was even six months ago. And I realized those same thoughts and those same scarcities are still going to pop up but I'm a different person now. And so, and I have different things that I've learned that I can now, you know, bring in and incorporate into my life. And, you know, so those same, so, you know, like I said, those same things, those same things that are going to pop up, but they're going to pop up in different seasons of your life. And you're a different person and you have different tools that you can learn to cope with and learn to, you know, learn to change it because we can all change. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like how you said that it's, it's about the awareness first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the first step to change. Yep. Very first, most painful thing too. <laughs> We're like, oh man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> I'm curious about your morning routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah if you'd be willing to share. I would love to share. Um, so as a mother, you know, like I have teenage kids now. And so they, they get up pretty early now for school and stuff. And so I've had to change things quite a bit because I honestly get up early. I get up earlier before them because I really feel like the, you know, sometimes I can't do a full hour, but I commit to at least 45, 40, 30 to 45 minutes, you know, and the first thing like before, so I, um, I'm really big into dream work and like writing my dreams down and stuff. And I've learned a lot of different techniques, even before you even get out of your bed. And so I usually, even before, like I get out of my bed, I will try to remember about a dream and I will journal about it. Or I will, um, do like a video journal too. and just like type it into it or, you know, talking into it. Um, and I really sit with that. Um, and especially if it's a really good dream, because I feel like dreams really talk to us and we can work a lot of our karma through our dreams. 
And, um, and so if I have a very deep dream, like a few days ago, I had like, a, like excruciating, like painful dream, like just so hard. And I knew that I needed to work on that right then and there before I even got out of bed, because I knew it was going to take over my day. And so I laid there and I, right when I woke up and I just breathed through it. So that's usually right. The first thing. So I'll write, either write something down, I'll dream journal or I'll breathe through it. Um, you know, so I can really work through that, that dream or whatever it might be. Um, but what, that's one of the first things I do and I'll do breath work to wake me up to like, get me energized. So I'll usually do like the, um, the triactive one and just a little bit faster. So it helps like wake me up a little bit more because that one wait actually wakes me up some people actually have heard that it kind of makes them tired but i'm like oh it like does it like energizes me um question um oh yeah mm-hmm. when you said with the dream you said breathe through it can you yeah so so basically like at least for me i have to um if it's a really, if it's like a, you know, like the a dream that I had a few days ago, that was just like excruciating painful. Like I just like, oh my gosh. Um, I knew that if I didn't sit with it and if I didn't breathe through it, so like I'll consciously breathe, just like do, and, and it's usually like a halo active one that's just like just a deep conscious breathing, and and I'll breathe through it. And sometimes I'll have to um, kind of like replay the dream in my head, or if I got it out on paper, if I got it out through voice. Um, I breathe through the whole thing. Um, and for me, the way that I see it as for me, that's the way that I release it as well is like really getting it out of my body and getting it out of my thoughts. Like if it's a really, if it's a really hard one, um, to, to do so. So yeah, like I, it's really just almost just, just a conscious breathing. That's all I do is just bringing awareness to my breath as I am, you know, writing through or remembering through, um, the dream. And for me, it really like, once it's actually out, then a lot of times I don't even really revisit it again or really think of it. Like I, I feel it actually like coming out of my body when I can just like release it through my breath. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the rest of my morning routine, usually I'm not every morning, but I would say, you know, maybe three or four times out of the week. I love my coffee. So I'll go downstairs. I will uh, make some coffee. I actually found this really good oat um, milk coffee or oat uh, milk stuff that I put in my coffee. I'm like game changer. It's at Costco, by the way, if you guys want some. But so amazing. My mom just dropped it out my doorstep the other day because I was telling her about my, I love dairy. I love it. But my body's like, get out of here. So every time and I always love creamer and it always just only needs to be a little drop. And every time I'm like, why did you do that? Why? You know, but anyway, so I got this yummy oat milk <laughs> and I've been like loving it. So I'm like, yes, you know, um, um, and then I always, um, so I am actually in the middle of writing a book and I have realized that I am most clear first thing in the morning, like my thoughts as we're, you know, going from like, you know, REM and beta to our normal, like that is where I am so clear. And so, um, once I do those few things, then I will sit and I usually set a timer because, um, it's so easy to get lost in, into writing. Or sometimes I'm writing for two minutes and I'm like, 
what? Like, I still, you know, like I've only been writing for two, you know, so sometimes it's hard for me to like get into, you know, either it's either I'm in it full force and I'm just like writing and I lose track of time or I'm like, I can't find words and I'm just like, oh, like trying to find something to say. So I always set a timer for myself too. I always set a timer for myself and um, by writing and journaling or anything like that, um, that has actually really brought in honesty and safety into my body because I've never realized how scared I used to be to write. Cause I was always so scared of someone like reading it or, Oh no, what if they hear about my, my real feelings? And I still, I actually was talking to a girlfriend last night about this. I'm like, I still have this thing around it and I, I can't figure it out. Like, and I can't think of it anything in this lifetime that like I was ever, you know, like, you know, got in trouble for someone reading something of mine. So I don't know where it stems from, but I have this, like this thing of like, Oh no, you know, what if they real might know my real feelings. And, and that's really hard for me to like really get it out. And so it's actually, I've had to create a practice out of it, like a, a clear practice of like, getting your, your true feelings out. And even sometimes getting those true, like whatever's coming through, like I'm like, you write it in, no matter how weird it might sound, no matter what, like, just let it come through and don't be judging yourself and don't be like, why are you, you know, you know, like all the things that come up around that, at least for me as a writer, like that was weird, like what the heck, you know, type thing and just letting it come through. And I'm like, if you have to burn it after, burn it after, if you want to, you know, rip it up and throw it in the guard, you know, like down the toilet, you know, whatever you have to do. But that is where I have actually found like pure honesty for myself of like, what is really coming up for me? Um, and, and I get it first thing out in the morning. Cause that, that is the, that is the first thing that hits when I wake up is just like that pure scarcity. And, but then if I can get it out on paper or vocalize it or say, you know, whatever way, then bam. Um, and then movement, movement in any type of way, moving your body, doing, doing yoga, going up and down the stairs, doing some weights, just moving my body. And, and I usually don't go anywhere. You know, it's all done, you know, here at my house or I'll go outside or whatever. There's nothing more than I love is sitting outside and watching the sunrise. I love that. My kids even make fun of me because the other day I was, it was so cold outside and I even brought the heater because I wanted to be outside so bad. I brought the heater out and my kids are like, you were so ridiculous. I had a hat on, but I just wanted to be outside, you know, and, but it was so cold. And so, um, and then fresh air, fresh air, getting outside and, and, you know, connecting to, to nature. And then, um, you know, by doing those simple things to me, at least those, those simple things, it then creates, um, the foundation for my whole day, whatever, whatever is going to come that day for me. If I have those, you know, if I have those core foundations in that morning, it just like everything else, it's like, it doesn't matter what hits us that day, you know, we're going to be able to take it on and, you know, do what we have to do. And, and I was, I was even really proud of myself, even like living at the hospital for two months. Like I, I stuck to that routine too. I was like, so faithful. <laughs> I'm like getting up and doing that and doing these, these steps, you know, because it, like I said, it's what, um, it, it's what gives me that foundation, that stability in the morning to just like, let's go, let's, you know, let's freaking go. Because, because then after that, it's just like, once the kids are up and it's now kids and school and get them out the door and then work. And, and it's like, you lose track and you don't even have time for yourself anymore. And it's just like, 
freaking just go, 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 go. And then you don't even have time to like the minute you like finally like decompress in the evening time. Usually by that time, I'm so tired. The only thing I force myself is to read. I'm like, you're reading, you were reading at least five to 10 pages tonight. And I'll sit there and I'll read in my book, you know, and I'll read before bed. But, you know, by the, the evening and trying to get those things in is way harder for me because by that time I'm so spent, I'm so exhausted. I'm just like, I'm ready for bed. Um, and so as long as I do those practices in the morning um, and move my body in some way, um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to roll. So, yeah. <laughs> very inspiring thank you <laughs> what's your book about Ooh, let me tell you for one thing I don't know what I'm doing I have no idea <laughs> what I'm doing but what my mentors have told me they're just Katie just write just write and so like, there's been so many times where I, you know, like I have been inspired to whatever. And I'm like, this is a terrible time. I can't write this down. It's like, yeah, you're going to pull over and you're writing this down. Okay. Pull over the side <laughs> of the road and writing shit down, you know, or whatever. But honestly, I really, I really don't know. And I'm, I'm being truthful with you. I really honestly don't, don't really know. Um, because everything that's been coming through is just my life experiences and what I have been through and the things that, what has got me through these hard times. Um, and, and yeah, so like that, that is really like that. So I don't, I honestly, <laughs> I don't even know. I was actually thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, what is this even going to be about? And it was like, my higher self's like, it doesn't matter. Just keep writing. So I'm like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's just like, and, and so I keep, I keep being told that it's going to be pieced together and it's going to come together. So I don't know if it's going to be like, a, just like, you know, like a, you know, just a life story about me or if it's actually going to be, you know, just like principles of whatever, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'll be probably just as surprised as you guys. <laughs> well, from interacting with you, your life story is inspiring. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And so, and, and it sounds like I get that you don't know what you're doing and it, it sounds like it's like learning to ride a bike. And it's just like, and then all of a sudden you're doing it. It sounds like you're doing it. It's just, yeah. you've never done it before. So you have nothing to compare it to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, but, I honestly, I'm like, I have no idea. I have no idea because I, you know, yeah. And, and you called yourself a writer, which I think is really big. Mm. You owned that, that you, you were like, I'm a writer. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. Okay. Because <laughs> you are it. I'm it. I guess I am. I know. I'm like, I, yeah. Well, I feel like that's a that's everybody's story. Like anybody who has written a top selling book or a best, you know, rated mm -hmm. podcast. Like we just started doing nothing. We have you know we have listeners and that always I'm always like oh my god I can't believe like what we wanted to create people are listening to so I think it's that's just it. it's just 
doing it, putting it into action and just trusting in that divine timing that brought oh, about brought breath work to you, brought, you know, mm-hmm. all of the lessons that you learned along this tough and roller coaster way. It's yeah. all the divine timing of it. So I, I have full faith that you're just going to keep writing it. And all of a sudden, mm. like the title is going to come to you and it's just going to be perfect. Yeah, that's so true. I know because I've been lately, I've been so fixated on that. Like, what is this even about? What are you even doing? You don't even have a title yet. Like, you know, all the things and it's just like, calm yourself. It's coming. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> like, and so I just, I just trust it. You know, like that's one thing I've had to really surrender to is just a deep trust and just a deep knowing that everything's going to be okay. Cause it is, it has been no matter which way it might not been like the life that I really, you know, is like, thought this was going to ever be, you know, but having just like this deep trust and knowing and just like holding on for dear life and let's go, um, has got me to where I am today of just like falling, you know, that, and that was, that was one thing, um, the morning of my daughter's surgery back in May, you know, I was all by myself, you know, of course my husband's not here. That's, this is the first surgery that I've ever like, quote unquote, been alone, you know, and I was just scared. I was just like, oh my gosh. And, and it just came to me. It was just like, you have got to fall into just deep trust. You just need to fall into deep trust right now. It's not going to make sense, but you just need to. And I was just like, okay, all right. And this was before everything that happened with my daughter, you know, and, and now I understand, you know, like there's nothing I can do, you know, like this is all out of my hands. I have to trust in the doctors. I have to trust in what's being told to me. I have to, I just have to trust that everything's going to be okay. And, you know, and it is, but scary sometimes to like completely surrender you know, like I, I, I thought I knew what surrender was. No, I had no idea what surrender was <laughs> until now. I'm like, Oh, this is what surrender means. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, like, okay. So yeah. <laughs> and you were taught that for a reason you might not know now, but mm, to be yeah. able to hold breathwork sessions to guide people through surrender. Mm-hmm. you now know it maybe more better than anybody right yeah mm. and so tell us so are you are you guiding breathwork sessions now or what what do you do or- yeah you know what I actually where like the meat and potato is for me is the individual work like I love the one-on-one so I love groups and and I'll still do them you know but I don't really I don't like advertise them or anything like that people you know will ask me here and there like you know I did a birthday party one and you know and so like I'll do that but I don't really advertise for you know big groups where where it is for me and where I you know I feel the most is the one-on-one with people and so I have a beautiful space here in my home or I'll come to them to their home or like sometimes they want to go out in nature and so then we'll go somewhere you know and so um so yeah the one-on-one work for me is like where where I really you know enjoy it and where I can feel like I I you know get the most out of it to 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 help and to be there for others you know yeah yeah what do you guys like? Do you guys like the individual work? Do you guys like the more group settings? Like, what do you guys like? I like both. Yeah, I'm, doing yeah. a, I'm doing a little bit of both right now. Um, 
I guess I wish I had more one-on-one clients. Mm, I also yeah. crave, like I do these monthly workshops. I have weekly like integrative sessions. Um, and I have one at the local senior center and there's oh. always, always filled to like, they, it's, the max is 15 people and it's always 15 people. And really? um, mm-hmm, they're, they're, so, they're so sweet. I just do a simple halo active usually sometimes try active Sometimes I'll like a minute of the blow breath, but I don't want, you know, they all have like heart problems and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I don't want anybody getting all worked up. So we're just going to do nice and slow and they love it. They absolutely love it. And so I love that. I just love that feeling of community. Um, mm-hmm. And then I have another, like at a yoga studio, I, I teach a weekly class and I wish the numbers were a oh, little bit good. better, but it's, it's still nice. Like it's always perfect like even if it's just two people it was the two people that were yep. meant to be there and we always have the absolute best time so it's mm. great. and then I do a meditative I try to do meditative sessions once a month and it's the same thing it's like three to five people and I just I really want like a big but it's still perfect in every mm-hmm. way that it shows up but I do I crave a little bit more community and then maybe a little bit more one-on-one but right now I got yeah it's beautiful. And I, when I look back on, cause I, um, did I graduate from pause a year ago now, over a year ago? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a year and I'm, I'm in Massachusetts and like, and it sounds like in Utah, you guys have a lot of people, you know, doing breath work, even though it's still somewhat unknown in -hmm. Massachusetts, like nobody knows what it is. So I was so nervous to do it at first, but now that I have a name for myself, it's like blows my mind that people, yeah, yeah like somebody awesome. came to my class, like who heard of about me, and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm just I'm the word around town, like <laughs> yes, so, that's so, so good. Fun. It's fun seeing. That's all I want is like a community to a breathwork community to be built over here on the cold East Coast. <laughs> So Katie, mm-hmm. I have a question. I've asked other people their relationship with grief. Yeah. And what maybe maybe you're understanding prior all of this to grief, because there's kind of, well, from my perspective, not having lost anyone, I didn't know I had grief inside my body just from life, just from living. Yes. Yes. And then mm-hmm just childhood there was a lot just by being a little kid yeah without you know big traumatic events there was grief that I processed through in my you know in my journey and so could you talk to us about grief and just your your relationship now I would love to thank you for asking that question um grief and grief is very hard, of course. Um, I have always described it as it comes off in layers, like an onion. Um, the minute that you think, you know, because there's been many pivotal times, you know, since it, and grief um, isn't, you know, so different. Depends who 
what connections you have with that person? Like I have this grief with my own father that I lost that same year in 2019. And then the grief with my husband, of course. And then the grief with my sister-in-law that we lost her in 2019 as well. And then I have actually taken on her kids too. Um, and so like her, I, I always have her kid, you know, so they have three kids, my brother-in-law and, you know, and so I've taken over, you know, those kids are, they live in my house half the time too, you know, since we lost her. And, and so it's, it's so different, you know, like, you know, um, processing the grief, you know, let's say, for example, as for my father, um, and, and well, I would say even with my husband, there's, um, there is, and I can say really with all of them, there's first there, um, I, I always say like the first year is just like, you're just like on autopilot and you're just getting through the holidays. Like, just like, you know, the second year, the second year, you're not as numb anymore and you're really starting to feel and you're not as scared to feel you're still kind of scared, but you're not as scared to feel, but you're still, you're still like, it's like, it almost reminds me of like, when your leg or your hand is numb and it's starting to like finally come back alive and you're starting to like feel it and you're just like, Oh, Oh, that's how it feels. Oh, Oh my gosh. Like that, you know? Um, and so year two was just like, Whoa, like the, the feelings of, um, I can't say, well, and maybe, you know, we block the first year of those. Cause we're just, it's shock. It's denial. It's like, you are waking up and you're just like, is this dream? Are they still here? It's like, there's not a full acceptance yet that first year. So that's why I say first year, it's just kind of like autopilot. You're just getting through the holidays and you're just like, it's almost like your head's down and you're just going, you're just like, let's just go get through this. You know, year two, like I said, you're waking up a little bit more and you're actually allowing yourself to actually feel feel it. And there is, um, a lot more acceptance and there's a lot more, um, like, but then there's also a lot more anger. I think there's that anger really sets in of just like, why, or you're missing out on this, or if you only did this or, you know, and it's, and so you're working through that, um, year two, like anger was, I was like in the thick of it, of anger, like so, so much anger and hurt, um, when I can really feel actually through it and accept it of what's happening. Um, year three, which was this year, definitely, um, the easiest so far as for accepting through it. And, um, but as I described before, like it's, it, it does, it comes off in layers and we're always changing. Like I said, every, you know, I wasn't the same person six months ago and these same feelings are now coming up, but now I can cope with it way better with, you know, cause of A, B and C. Um, and so I, I had this thought and I was talking to um, one of my coaches and I said, I said to him, like, um, how do you just like move on? Like, how do you just move on? Like there's things that are still like so painful. They're still like, you can still feel it like holding you on, you know? And he's like, you're already doing it, Katie. And I'm like, what? He's like, you're already doing it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I am. 
yeah, you are, you just don't, you just don't realize it, you know? And I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel like I am, you know? And, and he also described to me too, of just, of he's just like, and I'm like, why does it keep coming up for me? Like, why does this keep coming up for me? Like, I thought I got over this part, you know, with like, you know, the grief of my father. I thought I got over this part with, you know, my husband and, you know, I thought I got over this with a, you know, whatever. He's just like, cause you're a different person. You're going to be a different, when those things come up, you're a different person. And so it's going to come up and it's going to come up to your space. And I'm like, Oh, you know? And so there's a lot of like realizations, like, you know, we were talking about like awareness, you know, like when I have, when it comes back into my space, you know, cause let's be real, like these, you know, grief is in my everyday life. It is in my everyday life, you know, and the way, at least for me, when grief first, when I become aware of when grief first hits me, when I realize um, the grief has hit me, I'm first angry. I'm just like, Oh, why are you freaking gone? Why are you here helping me with these kids? Why aren't you, you know, just like, it's just this anger first. And then I'm like, Oh, I see what I'm doing, you know? And then I soften into it. I'm like, okay, all right. I know you're angry, Katie. And then I, you know, I soften into, okay, why are you angry? Okay. Cause yeah, he's not here. And yeah, it's really hard with these kids and, and yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the more I soften into it and then I can cry or I can get it out and I can release it. And I'm like, okay, that's just what needs to come through today. You know, sometimes it's just a good cry after sometimes it's just a good scream or motherfucker, you know, whatever like needs to come out. Like, it's like, Oh, good. You know? And, but, um, but yeah, like I, I, I've had that thought too, like, man, Katie, you should, you should like, you should, you should understand grief a lot more than you do now, right now. Cause sometimes I'm just like, what? I don't understand. I don't understand, you know, like, and, um, and, you know, like, yeah, I don't know if I'm really answering much of your questions when it comes to grief. It's just, it comes off in layers. That's that's the thing, is it comes off in layers. And it's not going to come off until you're ready. And and there are still some grief in there that I, you know, like, because I've, you know, I've met people, you know, that were just like, man, it's been 10 years, like 10 years since this person's died. And just this thing came up for me. And, and that's one thing that I have learned with grief is these things aren't going to come up and we're not going to work through these parts of the grief until you're actually ready for it. And those things are going to come when you're ready, even though you might not feel it. Cause I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I don't want to feel this. Like, <gasps> you know, because then scarcity comes again. Cause you're just like, I don't want to feel this again. No, I don't want to go through this. Like, you know, and it's scarcity. I'm like, Oh, why do I have to feel this again? And you know, all the things. And, but if you, um, let yourself be angry though, don't mask the anger, do not mask the anger because then it's going to come out in so many different ways. But when the anger comes, move your body, move it, go on a walk, start moving that energy, breathing through it. Um, and then before you know it, you're going to soften into it and you're going to cry and you're going to do whatever your body needs to release it breathe it out. And then you just like, Whoa, I feel so much better and so much lighter. Um, after all of that, you know, and sometimes it can take a few days. I'll be real. Sometimes like there's, you know, I can be like raging Cajun for two days, just like, 
I just, you know, and then finally it can, it can be released out, you know, but it's not going to be released until you feel it. And we have to feel it. We can't push it down. We can't mask it, you know, and, um, but it is, it is um, by nature and it is pretty natural the first year that you're so numb and you're on autopilot and you're not um, accepting it, you know, um, those are all very normal, normal things, but, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to feel it because we know once we feel it and we work through it, then you're just like, here we go. You know, but I think feeling it is probably one of the scariest things. And so we run from it and we mask it and we drink and we stay busy and we do these things to like, not, not feel it. Um, but it's not, it's not going to get anyone anywhere. You know, and the hardest thing about grief is each one deals with it so different. Each child deals with it so different. I have a son that wants his fucking dad. He's a teenage boy that wants his dad. He wants to go do his football with him and his wrestling with him. And he wants his dad. And then he has his two little angel daughters that spoil rotten them to death. And they want their dad. They want to be wined and dined. And their dad just spoil them to death, you know. And, and so each child deals with grief. So you not only have yourself, but then you have your children's grief and they deal with it so differently as well. Like my one son, he's like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about the memories. I don't want to let, 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 let. And then there's my daughters that that's all they want to do is they just want to talk and talk. And let's talk about this memory and this memory. And then my son's like, will you just stop? I don't want to hear this, you know? And so I have to take each one of them and, and deal with it in different ways. You know, I've had to sit my daughters down and say, Hey, listen, this is hard for your brother right now. He has a hard time listening to all these memories. It's very painful for him. And so I'm not telling you can't talk about dad because you need to talk about dad. And these great things are, are good, you know, and, you know, but they're certain, you know, and so, you know, we just, you know, like I said, each person has a different way of how they deal with grief, you know, and, you know, my, my son's now worked through that, that part. And now he'll bring up his dad now and he'll bring up certain things now. And well, remember this time and this time. And I've loved it. You know, I've loved when he will bring stuff down, you know, up of his dad now and he's worked through, you know, some of those things, you know, and, and then that, you know, and then, you know, my daughter's side of things, they're a lot more emotional and they're a lot, a lot more connected that way. And so they, um, you know, in that aspect, you know, especially my one daughter that had surgery this year, that's been kind of one of the hardest things, you know, her, her dad hasn't been here, you know, and I've seen the anger come up in her, you know, which is good because I've actually been waiting for that anger to like pop up and arise in her. And, and so it's just, um, I think with grief too, is you have to remove the ego. You have to remove your opinions about it and what that should be. And you just be, and you let that person talk however they need to talk through. You don't insert your opinions, you know, cause I'm like, I could have all sorts of opinions about your dad, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that, you know, and I'm going to let, let whatever arises in for you guys to then process through those and whatever that has to be, you know, as for talking or, you know, whatever, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, like my one daughter, 
It's like she doesn't even any song that comes on that reminds her of her dad, immediate turn off, like turn off, you know. But then they have another daughter that's all she wants to do is listen to those same songs, you know. And then my son, you know, so you're just like it's like this juggling act, you know. And and the holidays, of course, are hard, you know. He and um, he killed himself four days before Christmas. And of course, that's always gonna be hard. Always, you know. But I remember the first year after I sat my kids down and I said to them, I said, this is hard. This is, it just hit a year. I said, but I refuse, refuse to not look forward to the holidays because we love the holidays. We love Christmas. We love all of this. And I will not allow it us to just, you know, it just be this mask over it and this just be like this you know, like this terrible thing. Yeah, it was very terrible. It was very terrible what he did four days before Christmas because it was a complete self-harm, you know, and it was, you know, like it was traumatic for everybody. But, you know, I, and, and I remember like, you know, I remember seeing like this light in each one of their eyes and I can't remember the exact words I said it, but I basically just said like, we have loved the holidays and we always have loved the holidays. And, you know, it's going to be very hard, of course, you know, as we, you know, but I want us to, and, and it's creating those new memories too. It's like creating those, those new traditions again and creating things without dad now and all of these different things. And, you know, of course, the first few years are going to be very, very hard. You're creating new, new things and new, you know, and, and our bodies too. That's one thing I've learned with grief too, is our bodies still remember and they still feel it like, oh, it's this time of year. Ooh, here comes the anxiety. Here comes like all of these things. And so it's like, and I can feel it. It's really weird now that you become aware of it. It like you, it's just like your body. Cause you're just like, I know I'm good. I'm good. But my body still feels it. My body still feels like, you know, this around this time of year. Um, but it's, you know, retraining it. It's retraining it. Like we're okay. I'm safe. We're safe. We're okay. Like I got you, you know, and reminding yourself that like, yeah, I have you. I, I'm going to take good care of you this time. Like you can trust me, you know? And, um, yeah, I was long winded. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you for all that. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> So if someone wants to work with you, how do they get in touch with you? Yes. So I am um, breathe with Miss Katie underscore three, six, nine on Instagram. Um, and then I also have a website that's um, com, And you can find me on there too. So you can reach out to me on my website or then find me on Instagram. Those are the only two. Those are the only two things I have. So, and we always ask our guests what, if they have one message to share with the world, what would that be? Ooh, one message. Um, um, trust yourself. You, you can do it. Period. That's it. Trust yourself. Um, because yeah, if you can trust yourself and you know, you can do it, you can put your mind to it mind over matter you like we are so powerful you guys we are so powerful we can manifest the unimaginable we can create the unimaginable 
And it's down to not believing and not trusting in ourselves. But once you find that trust and you believe in yourself, you're unstoppable, man. You are so unstoppable. What a great episode. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, Let us know what you took from that. Leave some comments. Share with a friend who also might resonate with the story. Um, Subscribe, like, all those things so that we can spread the word about our podcast. And so all of our beautiful stories that we get to hear from our amazing guests get to be shared around the world. We appreciate you as a listener and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where the journey of self-discovery and inner growth continues to unfold. We hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and inspired you to embrace a more conscious and authentic existence by looking within. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes, where we'll continue to explore the transformative power of breathwork and emotional healing. Continue the conversation and stay connected with us on Instagram. Follow at Deeper Awareness Podcast to receive daily inspiration, valuable tips, and updates on our latest episodes and offerings. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights from today's show, so feel free to share them in the comments below or tag us in your posts. Your engagement and feedback mean the world to us as we strive to continue to create content that resonates and empowers our incredible community. Together, we can continue exploring the depths of consciousness, fostering genuine connections, and supporting each other on our transformative journeys. This episode is brought to you by You Belong Breathwork, your destination for transformative healing and self-discovery. At You Belong Breathwork, we believe in the power of breath to unlock the deepest parts of ourselves leading to profound insights and a greater sense of connection and belonging. Whether you're seeking emotional healing, a deeper connection with yourself, or a path to authenticity, our breathwork sessions, retreats, and coaching programs are designed to guide you on this transformative journey. Our experienced facilitators are here to hold space for you as you explore the depths of your consciousness and discover the infinite potential within. Visit youbelongbreathwork.com to explore our offerings and download a free guided breathwork session. Thank you for being a part of our deeper awareness community. Stay connected, stay curious, and may you embrace your true essence with love and compassion. Goodbye for now and see you in the next episode.